that's an advantage. Uh, my head is a little bit more free for uh, new things and other people take more initiative and more responsibilities. It's easier for me to delegate. Anyway, we have uh, three more applicants now uh, actively applying and we have like five more standing in line to apply uh, to be uh, on our staff there in Germany. We added uh, two new cities uh, where we minister in uh, Germany, uh, including one new Messianic uh, congregation in uh, northwest uh, Germany. It's a, it's exciting time. I mean, ministry-wise, I'm very uh, I'm very happy about uh, what God is uh, doing there. I'm uh, I'm training uh, these uh, new missionaries, at least two of them, uh, personally on the phone, even uh, from uh, Dallas. Uh, I I enjoy it. So it's a, it's a good season. Uh, Family-wise, uh, probably uh, many of you know our older daughter uh, left us and went uh, to Virginia to uh, uh, to college there. Uh, and uh, well, it's a hard feeling. I mean, for us, I mean, she's enjoying that. Probably she's enjoying that too much. Uh, it's my concern. Uh, so on the way here, I called her. She was on uh, on her way from New York City back to Virginia. They enjoyed some fun with a group of seven uh, in New York because it was a short break. She's studying j diligently, but she likes it so much. I'm getting nervous. Uh, for Ina, it's a little bit uh, difficult, uh, and for Rose, because, uh, look, for Rose, for our younger daughter, uh, uh, they spend most of their life in the same room, uh, so they share the bedroom most of their life. Um, it's, well, she she is missing her. Well, maybe she likes to have the room for her own at the same time, but she's missing her as well. For Ina, uh, it's, uh, she's working on, like, adjusting to this uh, new situation. It's not easy. For me, it's very hard. On a different, uh, on a different scale, though, you know, I was traveling a lot anyway. So for me, it's like I'm traveling, she's back. Uh, I, don't, I don't realize in real that she's gone uh, out of house. Uh, but uh, when I brought her to the university there, and then went back. It was the feeling like I got 10 years older. <laughs> because right now, looking at all, at all the pictures on the computer, you know, like where she's little and I'm just, oh, so sad I'm old. I'm old. Anyway, uh, so I just, it's, it's probably a good moment for me to enter the midlife crisis. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not there yet, uh, but please keep me in prayer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so that uh, these are some updates. As uh, Ryan told, we uh, do uh, Sukkot fellowship uh, tonight or this uh, late afternoon, and uh, we invite Christians uh, to invite their Jewish friends for us to enjoy it.
to decorate sukkah, to sit there, to uh, shake the lulav, special uh, branches. So it's going to be fun. It's not a formal event, but it's like participating in the uh, fulfillment of certain mitzvot or commandments uh, that uh, all Jewish people got to fulfill. If you want to join us uh, for that, or if uh, specifically if you have a Jewish friend to invite to uh, to this, join us this afternoon. Ryan knows the address. Uh, probably, um, I I forgot to take the cards, the invitation cards. Yeah, do we have some? Uh, don't give me this face. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, anyway, I can email it to you. By the way, uh, if, you, uh, if you are not familiar with our ministry, I have this uh, brochure for you. Uh, if you hear me for the first time, get this brochure uh, uh, from me. And uh, also, if you would like to receive our updates directly about what's God, what God is doing in Germany, but also uh, about the plans here in Dallas, please uh, give me your Name, address, email address is uh, important. This coming week, there is a big conference uh, coming. Actually, and that's a prayer request uh, as well. Uh, it's called the Gospel at the Middle East Conference. And it's organized by Chosen People Ministries together with Dallas Theological Seminary and Sou- uh, Southwestern uh, Theological Seminary. And it's uh, it's a Metroplex conference. It's going to be big and very, uh, very important. Uh, I'm teaching uh, various classes in different, in different places, like in three different places I'm teaching classes like DTS or Southwestern. New classes, actually, new class periods uh, for me. I'm teaching at the chapel at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, I need to prepare uh, much stuff. I'm, uh, I feel some anxiety about this. Uh, so please pray for me. Uh, uh, for me to teach and preach, it's sort of natural, but to prepare... That's a pain. Uh, so please pray for the uh, preparation uh, for that. Well, uh, let me come to the teaching this morning, actually. This morning, having breakfast with Ina, she told me, you, you always preach and teach about Jewish people. It was like a rebuke. What sounded like, you know, when wife is saying something like this, it sounds like rebuke always. <laughs> so, and uh, and I said, uh, and I said, well, I thought I'm teaching about God. And then uh, the next thought was, well, but it's natural to teach about Jewish people. The Bible talks about Israel all the time. I mean, whatever, you, whatever book you read in the Bible, and even whatever page you turn uh, in your Bible, Israel is there, right? So it's unavoidable, inescapable. Uh, well, guess what I'm going to teach uh, this morning about? Jewish people, right. <laughs> but God, I mean, <laughs> about God, but also about Jewish people and his relation to the Jewish people. Well, uh, tradition... I got to keep it. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me read uh, uh, two uh, from two different like books or different papers or letters. Some passages from that. They're very different, uh, but it, I think it would be a good beginning. So, 
first one is good one. I like it. The second one is not so good, and I don't like it. But then I will compare these two uh, for you. Therefore, I will, uh, I'm quoting, therefore I will cite from scripture the reasons that move me to believe that Christ was a Jew born of a virgin, that I might perhaps also win some Jews to the Christian faith. I hope that if one deals in a kindly, kindly way with the Jews and instructs them carefully from the Holy Scripture, many of them will become genuine Christians and turn again to the face of their fathers, the prophets and patriarchs. They will only be frightened further away from it if their Judaism is so utterly rejected that nothing is allowed to remain, and they are treated only with arrogance and scorn. If the apostles, who also were Jews, had dealt with us Gentiles as we Gentiles deal with Jews, there would never have been a Christian among the Gentiles. Since they dealt with us Gentiles in such brotherly fashion, we in our turn ought to treat the Jews in a brotherly manner in order that we might convert some of them. For even we ourselves are not yet all very far along not to speak of having arrived. When we are inclined to boast of our position, we should remember that we are but Gentiles, while the Jews are in the lineage of Christ. We are aliens and in-laws. They are blood relatives, cousins, and brothers of our Lord. Therefore, if one is to boast of flesh and blood, the Jews are actually nearer to Christ than we are. As Apostle Paul says in Romans, chapter 9, verse 5. Christ was a genuine Jew of Abraham's descent. It is amazing that the Jews are not moved to believe in this Jesus. Their own flesh and blood with whom the prophecies of Scripture actually square so powerfully and exactly. When they see that we Gentiles cling to him so hard and fast, and in such numbers that many thousands have, their, have shed their blood for his sake, I would request and advise that one deal gently with them, with the Jews, and to instruct them from Scripture. Then some of them may come along. Instead of this, we are trying only to drive them by force, slandering them, accusing them of having Christian blood if they don't, uh, then they don't sting. And I know not what other foolishness. So long as with us, treat them like dogs, how can we expect to work any good among them? Again, 
when we forbid them to labor and do business as have any and uh, and have any human fellowship with us thereby forcing them into usury how is that supposed to do them any good if we really want to help them we must be guided in our dealings with them not by papal law but by the law of christian love we must receive them cordially and permit them to trade and work with us that they may have occasion and opportunity to associate with us hear our christian teaching and witness our christian life if some of them should prove steve naked what of it after all we ourselves are not all good christians either martin luther i love it and now uh, another passage or passages and then i will say the author as well what shall we christians do with this rejected and condemned people the jews i shall give you my sincere advice first to set fire to their synagogues or schools and to bury uh, and cover with dirt whatever will not burn so that no man will ever again see a stone or cinder of them this is to be done in honor of our lord and of christendom so that god might see that we are christians second i advise that their houses also be razed and destroyed third i advise that all their prayer books and talmudic writings in which such idolatry lies cursing and blasphemy are taught be taken from them fourth i advise that their rabbis be forbidden forbidden to teach henceforth, uh, henceforth on pain of loss of life and limb fifth i advise that safe conduct on the highways be abolished completely for the jews sixth i advise that usury be prohibited to them and that all cash and treasure of silver and gold be taken from them and put aside for safekeeping seventh i condemn putting a flayed uh, and uh, flail an ox a hair a spade uh, uh, sorry Se uh, seventh i command putting a flail an ox and uh, a hair a spade a distaff or a spindle into their hands of young strong jews and jewish uh, jewesses and letting them earn their bread in the sweat of their brow as was imposed on the children of adam martin luther the same man it seems like two different martin luther 500 years ago the reformation began 
we can sit here, we can enjoy reading the scripture, we can uh, learn, we can call ourselves, we can call ourselves Protestants or evangelicals, and it's started with Luther. He was a hero. He was a great man. Five hundred years ago, it started. As a Messianic Jew, I should be grateful to Martin Luther and to the Reformation. Because otherwise, the Catholic Church would never let us as the Messianic Jews to exist. You could listen to the sermon of Chuck Swindle this morning, partially, historically, because of Martin Luther and the Reformation. We have so many reasons to be thankful to him. At the same time, Martin Luther was, was a furious anti-Semite. He was the first Protestant promoter of the godly and good Jewish evangelism. And at the same time, he was the first Protestant promoter of anti-Semitism. Some, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some historic evidences tell us that the Nazis, they built their ideology regarding Jewish people partially on the Luther's writing about the Jews. One, uh, after the Reichskristall night, the first official pogrom in Germany, that happened on the Luther's birthday. The bishop of the Lutheran church in Germany was praising the fact that it happened. And uh, he was praising Luther as the greatest anti-Semite on his time. One of the main Nazi magazines, the ideological magazine called the, uh, the Sturmer, so, uh, the conqueror, with other words. The, the, uh, the uh, newspaper that was f uh, filled with, with cartoons of ugly Jewish people and was promoting the anti-Semitism. The editor of chief uh, of this newspaper was there in Nuremberg during the Nazi process after the war. He was sitting there during the court, uh, during the uh, during this court process regarding the crimes of the Nazis, in 1946, he told to his persecutors. He told the court that Luther would sit in his Streicher's place in the dock because of Luther's. There, uh, there's radical attacks in his treatise on the Jews and their allies. In certain way, Luther was sitting during this process with the Nazis and was judged and should be condemned. Great man. I don't want to uh, put just the negative or bad light on Luther. Great man, hero of Christian faith. Probably ideal in many different respects with one very dark spot 
in his bi uh, biography. The anti-Semitism. Furious hate regarding the Jewish people. He started with that. In starting with his earliest writings, his assumption was God rejected the Jewish people because they rejected Christ. God condemns them and they are under his wrath forever. That was his assumption that he was carrying through the entire, through his entire life. <coughs> some people say, some scholars said that the first passage that I was reading to you from his treatise that was called uh, Jesus Christ was born as a Jew, that it was a good, nice Luther who tried to convert or bring the Jewish people to, the, uh, to their Messiah, Jesus. And then he tried so hard, but the Jewish people rejected Jesus, and he got mad. So it was like young, kind Luther. And then there was old and frustrated Luther who hated Jewish people because they rejected his message. That's historically incorrect. Luther was raised as anti-Semite. He grew up in the culture of anti-Semitism. He preached in the church with a fresco on, a, on the top of this, on the, on the wall of this church, with the Jewish people sucking from the pig, and Rabbi looking with his Talmud under the leg of the pig, you know? So, and he was using that in his preacher preaching, saying that, uh, that that's the reality of the Jewish life. Luther grew up in the culture where Christians thought the Jewish people killing Christian babies in order to use their blood to produce the matzah for Passover. He grew up in the culture where Christians believed that the Jewish people tried to kill them, spoil their wells, and uh, promote and, uh, uh, and distribute different diseases among them. He grew up in the culture where, uh, where he, uh, people believed in all possible conspiracies of the Jewish, uh, of the Jewish people. And you know what? Growing up in this culture, he did believe in all this nonsense. In his, uh, in his treatise on the, Jew, on the Jews and their lies, he, uh, he mentions that all and he asks, is it true? And his answer is, possibly. Why not? He was a man of his time. He loved the Lord. I'm sure, at least I hope to believe, uh, so I believe this way, I hope so, that he was born again Christian. He was freed from many different things, but not from this curse of the anti-Semitism. How sad it is. I wish... I could stop with the first text that I, uh, that I read. It's so good. It's so inspiring, so uplifting. During his last sermon, 
in Eisleben on February 15, in, in the year 1546, three days before his death, Luther was too weak to finish preaching, but managed to read the text of an exhortation against the Jews. In it he repeated his call for their conversion, but called them public enemies, poisoners, and bloodsuckers. He warned his audience to refrain from participating in the strange sin to live with Jews and to cling to the Lord as he, Luther, always did. I quote, This is what I wanted to tell you as a final admonition not to become part of a strange sin. If the Jews want to convert to us and cease to blaspheme, and from whatever else they have done, we will be happy to forgive them. But if not, we should neither tolerate nor accept them among us. It was his last word. Not just, I'm not the only one who preaches about the Jews. Luther constantly did the same from his anti-Semitic perspective. His last sermon, he couldn't escape, he couldn't avoid this temptation to condemn the Jewish people once again. Well, great man, dark spot. We all are human. I'm not the one to throw stones and Luther. I have my weaknesses. I have my dark spots. I'm human. I'm sinful. He was as well. But the question remains, how the man who said sola scriptura, only scripture, could miss so many passages telling that God never rejected the Jewish people, nor they will ever do that. He keeps the Jewish people as his own. And now I'm going to quote to you some passages that Luther was also quoting. And you probably know these passages, but I think that it's a good exercise to see them and, and to interact with them a little. Jeremiah chapter 31. You remember probably this, uh, this chapter because it's quoted a couple of times in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Hebrews. And it's about the new covenant that God is going to cut with the house of uh, Judah and the house of Israel. Oh, Luther loved it. He loved this passage uh, to point to the Jewish people, particularly to point to the Jewish people. Not just about uh, grace, but to point to the Jewish people. You see, the covenant was made, and the covenant was made in the blood of Jesus. And the Jews, they rejected Jesus, and that's why they rejected this covenant, and they are out of the picture. Well, good picture, out of the good picture, but in the picture of judgment, they are there. Well, uh, there, are some, uh, there are some verses, important verses in this chapter after the passage about 
the new covenant. Verses uh, 35 through 37. Jeremiah 31, verses 35 through 37. The Lord has made a promise to Israel. He promises it as the one who fixed the sun to give light by day and the moon and stars to give light by night. He promises it as the one who stirs up the sea so that its waves roll. He promises it as the one who is known as the Lord who rules over all. The Lord affirms the descendants of Israel, Zerah, Israel, literally, biological Israel. The descendants of Israel will not cease forever to be a nation in my sight. That could only happen if the fixed ordering of the heavenly lights were to cease to operate before me. The Lord says, I will not reject all the descendants of Israel because of all that they have done. That could only happen if the heavens above could be measured or the foundations of the earth below could all be explored. Is there a chance to destroy the Jewish people or to bring Jewish people away from God or to make anything for the Jewish people to cease to be the chosen people of God, his beloved ones? Yes, there is something. Measure the heavens above and explore the foundations of the earth below. Make the lights on the sky not to shine any longer. And then you can deal with the Jewish people and separate them from the Lord their God. It's a clear passage that follows the passage about the new covenant. They are connected, they are related. Why? Because the new covenant was done for God to remain faithful to his chosen people Israel. In Romans chapter 11, verse 1. So I ask God has not rejected his people, has he? Absolutely not. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. And verse 2. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? And then God and Paul used the example of uh, Elijah and himself to show that God is faithful to the people of Israel. In verse 11 we read, Romans 11, 11. I ask them, they did not stumble into an irrevocable fall, did they? Absolutely not. 
But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Chapter 11, verse 25. Romans eleven twenty-five. For I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceived, uh, uh, consulted. A partial, partial hardening has happened to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come out of Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I can keep reading such verses. Luther read them as well. He was a very good scholar of the Bible. He read all these passages. And more than that, he even wrote the commentaries to all of them. And in all of his commentaries to such passages, his understanding was, it's a tricky passage. And to understand this passage, said Luther, or these passages, we need to consider that the Jewish people for 1,500 years at his, at his time, they are without their land, they are dispersed, they are like cursed, they are in trouble, but God is faithful. He would never let it happen to his people. But the fact that Jewish people are in trouble, historically, tells me that was the Luther's idea, that the Jewish people cast out. God doesn't deal with them on the mercy any longer. He separated himself from them forever. And that's why these passages, the tricky passages, they are not talking about God's mercy to Israel. Anything else but not his mercy to Israel. And his commentary on Romans 11.26 on several occasions are always Israel is not going to be saved. Period. It was his assumption and this assumption created his theological approach to the people of Israel. But I would say his assumption legitimized his furious anti-Semitism. Well, it's more or less like a class that I'm doing right now. It's not a sermon. I'm not going to give you any application. Okay? You can do your applications yourself. But I want to exhort you to be good and careful students of the Bible. Read it. Read it, not just be willing to separate from the biases that you have. 
read it as you would do for the first time. Pray for God to clean you from all possible biases and prejudice toward other people. Luther never was successful in reaching out to the Jewish people. Never. Why? He knew Hebrew. He wrote great explanations to the Messianic prophecies. He expected Jewish people to believe instantly on his, uh, in his teaching and in, in Jesus because he was presenting the gospel to them so well. The manuals how to share the gospel with the Jewish people or with the Jewish friends can be based and are based upon what Luther wrote back then. But he was absolutely unsuccessful reaching out with the Jew, to the Jewish people and became gradually more and more frustrated. Why? Because of his anti-Semitism. Because he didn't love the people he was trying to minister to. I would encourage you to keep it in mind. Read the Bible. Read it carefully. Study it. Say goodbye to many biases that you might have. And love people who you're ministering to. Possibly it could help. And to rounding that all up, again, I admire what Luther did. I appreciate the Reformation. I'm thankful God for the Reformation. And believe it or not, I'm thankful God for Luther. Although as for a Jew, for a Jew it's pretty complicated. Probably when I see him, and I hope to see him in the future, I will come to him and tell. Now, do you see things differently? And I will forgive him. I have already forgiven him. He is just a man, as I am. Man, the great man of history. But he died frustrated. Observing the great things he has done, or God done through him, he was very bitter and frustrated man. He died with a great frustration. And his frustration was called the Jews. And now I'm sorry to be a frustration for such a good and great man. We are created for different purpose. And here I would end. Thank you.